God molds us as kings. Kings don't undress themselves and show everybody their nakedness everywhere they go. Queens don't undress themselves, show everybody their nakedness everywhere they go. Now, the wife is a crown to the husband. And a husband also is a crown to the wife. And this is what God does. When God molds us and we become a king or a queen, God looks for who will be able to size you. The husband that God gives to people or the wife he gives to somebody is somebody on your level. Someone who can be able to size you very well. Because the wife is a crown to the husband. And now a king is not complete without a crown. And so when God makes a king, he now finds which crown will so fit you very much and looks for the crown and give it to you and crowns you with a wife. And so now a wife is what makes a man complete. A wife is what makes a man a king. Now the greatest of it all is that we have to discover that Jesus is a king. And if Jesus is a king, we are his crown. We don't need to do some things we do because anybody who dishonor his body dishonored his head, which is Christ. And so if I do the things I like to do, if I live my life the way I want to live, if I just walk around, do the things I want to do, sleep around, and commit fornication, commit immorality, I have spoiled the crown that he bought with a pride. In fact, the Bible said that we will crown him the king of kings. He is a king because of us. And so now, if we fail to do the things that he wants us to do, we have failed to be who he wants us to be. Our God has a class. He is not just cheap that he looks for anything to use and compliment himself. He looks for something that can befit his standard. And that is why he keeps telling us, be holy, for I am holy. Alright, let's be on our feet as we read God's word together. The brothers are going to go for Proverbs 12 verse 4. And the sisters will go to Proverbs 18 verse 22. Today we are settling on Proverbs, a book of wisdom. It's our culture to be upstanding as we read God's word together. The brothers and the sisters, are you ready? Brothers, Proverbs 12 verse 4. Sisters, Proverbs 18 verse 22. You're there. You're not this, uh, please wait for me. Okay, ladies first. So that is Proverbs 18, verse 22. Okay, let's read it together. One to go. Whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Somebody shout amen. So you see, ladies, it's not your duty to go and find a man. It wasn't whosoever findeth a husband and found a good thing. Was whosoever findeth a wife has found a good thing and has obtained a favor from the Lord. 
brother, is it right? Alright, so it's our duty to come and find you. Alright, so Proverbs 12 verse 4. Sisters, you can also rush and get there. Are we there? Are we ready together? A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that make it a shame is as rottenness in his bone. What a shock. Some translations say she that make it a shame is like a cancer in his bone. Some says a bad woman is like a cancer in the bones of a man. Maybe seated in God's presence. I'll be preaching today briefly on what I call every king deserves a crown. Every king deserves a crown. In chapter 12 of Proverbs, the Bible started by saying, Whosoever loveth instruction, loveth knowledge. But he that hated reproof is brutish or is stupid. Remember in verse 4, he's talking about a virtuous woman. And now he starts from verse 1 to tell us what makes a woman virtuous. And one of the things he said is that number one thing that makes a woman virtuous is that a woman who is virtuous is a woman that listens to instructions. I don't know how long I'm going to stay there, but it's very important that if you want to grow, you have to listen to instructions. You have to listen to instructions. You have to abide with knowledge. And 21st century ladies don't really like corrections. When people correct them, they feel, uh, why should they correct me? Why does he want to correct me? And all of that. But we don't know that corrections is what molds us. Corrections is what makes us better. When somebody corrects you, he doesn't hate you. When somebody corrects you, he wants you to be better. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? So when somebody's correcting you, you have to understand that the person who's correcting you is looking at you. And he wants you to be perfect. But there is something in you that is not really perfect the way it should be. And what he does is that he comes to you and tries to correct that thing that is bad in you so that you will become perfect like he wants or like she wants. But the problem is that most times we spend a lot of time arguing with somebody who is correcting us. Arguing with the person who is correcting us over the thing that we did not do well. And one of the things I've discovered is that people don't correct bad cars. They correct good cars that have a fault. Nobody corrects bad cars. They correct good cars that have a fault. If you are driving along Portacol Road, you will see some cars abandoned and they are there in the bush. The ones that are in the mechanic workshop is the cars that are still good to be used but have a little fault. And so now when they correct the cars, the person who takes it to the correction workshop wants it to be corrected for it to look a certain way he wants. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Somebody asked me a question. What if somebody doesn't like you and he corrects you? Is it nice to take the person's correction or advice? Yes, that's true. It is good you look at the person's advice and take the person's advice even though he doesn't like you. And I discover that people who don't like you give you more of the biggest advice than the people who like you. You see, the Bible said love covered all things. Somebody gets what I'm saying? Love covered all things. So one of the things that love does is that it covers your multitude of sin. You can have a fault, but somebody who loves you doesn't really look at the fault because he loves you so much. He loves you and he doesn't really care the way you eat. He doesn't really care the way 
you talk. It doesn't really care the way you and everything. So now, what happens to us is that when we are listening to advice or when we are listening to instructions or when we are listening to corrections from people who don't like us, they can really tell us the truth about us. I remember a few years ago, I had a lady, a pastor friend, who didn't really like me. She did not like me at all. She didn't like the way I preach and so on. So everything I do, she will have complaints. She will always find a fault to everything I do. She will find a fault to everything that I do. And I discover that she has so much complaints. When I am preaching, she has too much complaints. When she's listening to my messages, she has too much complaints. At first, I used to feel she doesn't like me. But on a second thought, what I needed to do was just to listen to the complaints she had. And when I paid attention to the complaints, I discovered that those things she said were true. And so I decided to work on those things that she said. And one of the things that is very, very necessary in instruction is that when somebody is giving you instruction, you need to have a filter. The filter you need to have is the word of God. And the word of God is what filters the instructions or the corrections or all the advice somebody gives to you. And now you can have what the Bible calls good counsel. The good counsel is a good advice that the person gives to you because you have the word of God to filter everything that the person gives to you. You don't just take advice from people. You have to take the advice, weigh it with the scripture and see if the advice is in line with the word of God. If the advice is not in line with the word of God, then it is a suggestion from the devil. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Can I continue? So now, in verse 1, he talks about one of the things that makes a virtuous woman, and that is, whosoever loveth instructions, loveth knowledge. But a woman who hates instructions is stupid. That's what he's saying in another translation. Verse 2, he says, A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man who has wicked devices will be condemned. And now, so, a woman, God, is sending to a man, is not a problem. God is not adding a problem to the man. He's adding a favor to the man, which is telling the man, whatever thing you could not achieve while you were alone, now that you are two, you should be able to achieve it. Okay, I'm really getting deeper right now. Verse 3, he's saying, A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. Okay, and now he talks about the food one, which he says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that make it ashamed is like a cancer. Now, what does it mean? A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. This is what it simply means. When God is molding a man, what he is molding out of a man is a king. He molds a king out of a man. Okay, maybe you don't know this. God doesn't create slaves. God creates kings and queens. Okay, so when God gives you advice, like don't sleep around, don't commit fornication, don't drink alcohol. When you go to Proverbs, the Bible said, kings, don't drink alcohol. And so it's meant for slaves. So when God is giving you advice and it looks like his advices are so big that it looks like you can't handle them. It's just trying to train you as a king. He's trying to place you on a worth ground. He wants to place you where you can have worth. He is trying to mold you for your life to have significance, for your life to be good. 
see, you have to understand that everybody can be doing whatever thing they do, but you shouldn't do it. Because God does not see you as a slave. He sees you as a king. And so now when God keeps teaching you every Sunday like this, he raises your standard, raises who you are. Both for male and female, when he raises your standard, raises who you are, he now raises you as a man, raises you, lifts you up from the slave mentality and puts you on a king mentality. What he now finds is that he looks for a crown that can fit you and brings to you. Let me give you one story before I proceed. Many years ago, when I started my Bible school at Ghana, the first week I entered the school, we used to have a long session of teaching. After the break, by 12 o'clock, we were to enter again and close by 4 o'clock. So I had to walk around, leave the place, went on the roadside like this, bought mineral and bought some gala, and I was eating on the roadside like this. And some of my students were passing. And some students who were my classmates just passed, and some people saw me eating on main road like that. My thinking was that nobody knows me here after all. Nobody knows if I'm just an kind of Fabio here, so I can free myself, eat any way I like. But I wouldn't do those things in Ekets or places like Uyo or all those things. I can't eat in a strange place like that. So, but since it was Accra Ghana, nobody really knows me, so let me just enjoy myself. And I was sitting down there eating. So one guy called me. I was telling him, ah, why are you calling me? You call me over to this side. And he called me and he was serious. So I had to carry my drink, go over there. And he said to me, Kings don't eat in places like this. And he said, if school authority sees you, they will sack you. And I told him, what should I do now? He said, what you need to do is just abandon the thing you drank. The other one put it in the nylon bag and just leave. I said, hey, is it that simple? He said, yes. I decided to just fold it, put it, pay the money, and I left. And he told me, thank God the school authority did not find you. We teach people to live like kings here not like slaves. And that changed my mentality automatically. So what am I saying? God molds us as kings. Kings don't undress themselves and show everybody their nakedness everywhere they go. You understand what I'm saying? Queens don't undress themselves, show everybody their nakedness everywhere they go. Queens don't snap their nude pictures and post on Facebook. See, whenever you want to take shots and post on Facebook, think about yourself. Will a queen do what I'm about to do? Queen don't sleep around. Queen don't stand in corners with people. Queen don't live life like that. Queen don't do all of those things. Queen love royalty, nobility. They don't walk around. They don't do some things. They are special people. And they don't join the crowd to do whatever thing they are doing. They are special kind of people and they value themselves. They place themselves on a platform. They don't do what others are doing. And now this is what God does. When God molds us and we become a king or a queen, God looks for who will be able to size you. The husband that God gives to people, or the wife he gives to somebody, is somebody on your level. Someone who can be able to size you very well. Because the wife is a crown to the husband. And now, a king is not complete without a crown. And so when God makes a king... He now finds which crown will so fit you very much and looks for the crown and give it to you and crowns you. Crowns you with, with the wife. And so now a wife is what makes a man complete. A wife is what makes a man a king. A wife is what makes a man to be okay. You see, every king who is not with a crown is disguised. 
put that down, everything that is not with a crown is just disguise. We can't know that he's a king if he does not come with his crown. And now you have to also understand that as a woman is a crown to the husband, so is a man a crown to the wife. As a woman is a crown to the husband, so is a man a crown to the wife. That's why you hear people say to you, why do you go and fight in the market? Don't you know you're a married woman? And now because when you fight in the market, you disgrace the man who owns the crown. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Sometimes I see some single people do some things and said, I would have dealt with you if not that I'm a married woman. Have you heard something like that before? Or somebody talking to a married woman and says, I would have slapped you if not because of your husband. You see now? He now respects the person who owns the crown. Respects the person who owns the crown because the wife is a crown to the husband. And also remember the other part of the story. The other part of the story is that a bad wife is like a cancer in the bone of a man. And if he's a cancer in the bone of a man, then the man can walk to any way. From the time he marries a bad woman, he becomes crippled. He can't achieve any other thing. The house he wanted to build, he had to sell the land, sell the blocks, sell everything. He can't go forward because he had married a wife that is a bad wife. And I'm praying for all the brothers right now. When you want to pick a wife, may you not pick a cancer in your bones. The brothers are not shouting powerful amen. Some brothers are not shouting amen. When you are picking a wife, may you not pick a cancer in your bones. And for the sisters now, let me give you this one. When you marry a husband, may you marry a man that will value you. Oh, the sisters are not shouting. When you marry a husband, may you marry somebody that will value you. Pay attention. I'm going to hit it very fast and allow the thing to sink down. Now, the wife is a crown to the husband. And a husband also is a crown to the wife. And this is what happens. You have to understand that when God calls a help meet, in the other part of the scripture that we read, help me is that it must be somebody who is of your level for him to be able to help you. It must be somebody who is of your level for him to help you. And now some women are very, very high-minded that they want to marry somebody who is so great. One of the things you ought to do as a lady is that you need to build yourself for who God wants you to marry. You need to build yourself, develop yourself for who God wants you to marry. So that when you marry the person, you will be able to compliment the person that you're marrying. I know of so many husbands who can go out with their wives because their wife cannot really compliment them. So now, it calls it a help myth because God wants somebody to help you. And now, you cannot have somebody to help you if the person is not of your level. The person who should help you should be of your levels. This is one of the things I tell the brothers. I said, what we need to do is that we don't need to just try and see how far we can keep women. Some people do what we call marriage rehearsals. They keep somebody, try to work on the person, train the person for years and so on. And now, in the process of that, get into immorality, sleep with the person, dump the person. When you want to now do wedding, you need like 16 mopol to come and stand around and block some people who want to lift up their hands because you know You have broken so many people's hearts. And so what we do is that we keep ourselves and God keep the person for us. Did you catch that? See, God is not foolish that I'll keep myself holy and he will just bring one bad boy like that or one bad girl like that. No, God is not stupid. 
what you do is that as a lady, as a guy, you keep yourself and allow God to keep who he has for you. And the same way you are keeping yourself, when God looks at the guy who has been disturbing you and see that the guy does not fit you, he removes him from the way. And some of you call it heartbreak. It's not heartbreak. Sometimes it's God choosing who you really deserve. You feel, oh, why should it be this person at this time when I have marked everything? You see, girls are very, very practical sometimes. Even before the man said, will you marry me? The lady has already known what the man will say. And ladies know the gown they are going to wear. They know the hall they will do the wedding, even when the guy has not said anything yet. I hear stories. They say the lady went and told somebody who is a makeup artist, say, you do me makeup on my wedding day. And the lady said, okay, when is the TM coming? He says, it is not yet fixed. Who is the man? He hasn't proposed yet. But was the... <laughs> That's how their faith works for them anyway. So there's no problem. May your faith work for you in Jesus' name. All right. So that's what happens for the ladies. They are so, so practical about it. They are so practical about it. That's why whenever a girl is looking at your eyes, he wants you to say something. You can be saying 50 words in one minute, say a lot of things, but there's something she's looking for. And brothers, don't play with girls. Don't say some things you don't mean, please. They don't take words like you take words. Don't say some things you don't mean. Know the text messages you are sending to people. Don't say, your children will be so beautiful. The lady will send you back, is it our children or your children? You see, what? <laughs> see the ladies are so calculative. 80% of what is running through a girl's heart and mind on brain is marriage. 80% of what is running through our head is marriage. We think about so many things. We think about ministry. Even if I want to do ministry in the next 10 years, it won't bother me. We just think about ministry, ministry. We think about so many things. Ladies don't think about those things. Ladies think little about their school, career, very little. Think more about their marriage. And they think very little or nothing about ministry. Little or nothing about ministry. Yeah. And it's not their fault because the Bible said their desire will be of a man. So now they want to be with somebody who has been desiring them. Okay, so now what God does is that God molds us up with his word, raises us up with his word every day, and where he places us is he places us as kings and places us as queen. When he had made you a king, made you a queen, he finds somebody who is suitable for you to crown you. And now the worth of your crown is your worth. If he crowns you with gold, it shows that you are of a gold worth. He crowns you with silver, that's your worth. So now your wife is your worth. That's for the brothers now. The wife that God gives to you is your worth, is what you worth. Don't marry anybody that doesn't value you. Anybody who feels his mother he was a housemate to his father, his father will be calling the wife, come on, come here, you that stupid woman, come here, and the wife will run and come. No, you don't marry such people. You have to marry somebody who values his crown. Every king values the crown he has. Because the crown is what defines how valuable the king is. Sometimes the king does not even tell somebody, I'm a king, they see it by his crown. How I wish I was talking to somebody. You don't even need to walk around and tell somebody I'm a king. When they see your crown, they know that you are a king. When they see the kind of crown you have, they know the kind of king you are. 
That's why the Bible said in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that you don't give a position of an elder to somebody who does not know how to take care of his house. That's what the Bible said. You don't give a position in church to somebody who doesn't know how to take care of his house. Because if you cannot take care of your crown, how can you take care of the church of God? Yeah, so that is it. So now, any husband who beats his wife is abnormal. Any husband who beats up his wife is abnormal. Because no sensible king will beat up his crown. I've told you, marry your husbands and bring them here. Let me teach them. So, no sensible king will beat up his crown. See, ladies, I don't know what is wrong with you. Sometimes you feel, this guy, if he leaves me now, nobody will marry me again. You just feel things like that. And no matter the slap he gives to you, no matter how much he beats you, most of you, your back looks like you belong to a cult because... The belts they have used on you many times, they've peeled your back. So no sensible king will beat up his crown. No sensible king will beat up his crown. And another important thing is that no king deserves two crowns because you are not ruling two kingdoms. No king deserves two crowns. Every king deserves just one crown. And it's one crown at a time. When the other one is spoiled and thrown away, you need another crown. They crown the king once. You don't crown a king two crowns at once. Have you seen any king who has two crowns on his head at once? So why do you want to marry two wives like your father? I want to marry two wives. I want to marry two wives. So no king carries two crowns. Carries one. If that one is bad and that one is spoiled, that is, he's dead. The wife is dead. You find another crown. Don't look for two crowns at once. You don't pile it up. Don't sit like you're sitting on plastic chair. Put the two plastic chairs and sit down. No. I went to one restaurant. I saw one plastic chair broke this leg. Another one broke the other leg. And they carried the two put together. So where this one doesn't have a leg, this one will support. Where this one doesn't have a leg, this one will support. That one is not done in marriage. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? It's not done in marriage. Now, but the greatest of it all is that we have to discover that Jesus is a king. And if Jesus is a king, we are his crown. And I hope this is when you understand that we don't need to do some things we do because anybody who dishonors his body dishonors his head, which is Christ. And so if I do the things I like to do, if I live my life the way I want to live, if I just walk around, do the things I want to do, sleep around, and commit fornication, commit immorality, do the things I like, I have spoiled the crown that he bought with a price. I've spoiled the golden crown that he bought with a price. Most of us don't even understand that Jesus bought us with a price. He bought us with a price. He redeemed us. In fact, the Bible said that we will crown him the king of kings. He is a king because of us. And so now, if we fail to do the things that he wants us to do, we have failed to be who he wants us to be. So we have to understand that not because I don't love you, that's I don't want to sleep with you. I love you so much, but I want you to understand that I am somebody's crown. It's not because I don't love you. You see, that thing that you want me to do, it's not because I don't love you. I love you so much, but you have to understand that I am somebody's crown. I don't need to do what others are doing. I'm somebody's crown. He bought me with a price. He bought me with a price. 
And uh, you have to also understand that anybody that keeps himself for God, God will also want to keep you in a special place. I hope you know that a king doesn't wear the crown all the time. He keeps the crown on a very nice place because some crowns are gold. He doesn't want to keep it in a place that he will scratch. If you are better for God, if you are an authentic person, better for God, he keeps you in a place that is safe for himself. He doesn't keep you in places that are bad. People keep asking me, oh, why would God throw people into hell when he loves the world so much? Well, we throw away things that are spoiled. I know clothes that I have bought, but all of a sudden, just washing two times, the clothes fade up and we throw it away. It's the normal thing. So when you are spoiled, he throws you away and gets something new for himself. Because he has a class. You have to understand that our God has a class. He is not just cheap that he looks for anything to use and compliment himself. He looks for something that can befit his standard. And that is why he keeps telling us, be holy, for I am holy. When you see things like this in the scripture, it reveals to us who God is and who he wants us to be. It tells us, be holy, for I am holy. And it says, touch not the unclean things. We have to understand that this is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, that our body is the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in it. And so the crown of a man is the wife. And the wife also complements the husband. And that is one of the things that matters. See, one of the things that God does is that you have to understand in Genesis, God created a man. And when he finished creating a man, he discovered that the man was lonely. Discovered that the man was lonely. There's a very great lesson here. He saw that the man was lonely and he said it's not good for a man to be alone. He wasn't talking to anybody. He was just talking to himself. That he's not good for a man to be alone. And the question we keep asking is, uh, how can a man be alone when God was with him? And so what God wants is that he knows he's with the person spiritually. He is with the person, blessing the person spiritually. So one of the things that God does is that he wants somebody to be with him socially. Somebody to associate with him. Somebody who will be able to talk with him. Somebody who can reason with him. Somebody who can be able to be with him. Somebody who can help him out. And so he now brings a wife. And the wife is somebody who is of him. Somebody who has the same thing that he has. He brings out bones from the man and mold of a woman and give to the man. And so that is how it happens. When God discovers that you are lonely, he gives you somebody that can compliment you. I tell people all the time, the best way to get a wife is just pray. When you pray, God knows the right person that can suit you very well. Knows the person that will suit you. One pastor was talking to me and he said to me, if it is finding a wife, that I think it is in our hands that God has given it for us to go and find. I said, no, you have to understand that God didn't say find a woman. He said find a wife. So he puts a wife in the midst of women. So you need him to show you where the wife is in the midst of all the other women. You need him to show you who the wife is, who the person is, for you to find him. If you don't find the person who is your wife, you start having problems from a day after your wedding to the day you die. A man said to me the other day, he said to me, I've told my wife that this marriage is not going to break. No matter what she's going to do, I will marry her. Till she dies. The marriage was just a few months old 
and they started having problems upon problems upon problems upon problems. And he said, I've told her I'm not divorcing her. She will stay in this house. And we will marry each other. <laughs> and these are the things. Let me use this and conclude. These are the things. You see, most times we lay bad foundations for marriage. We just lay bad foundations for marriage. We put wrong foundations on the ground. And when the marriage collapses, you now start blaming God, running to the pastor for the pastor to help you in prayers. And not discover that you lay bad foundations for the marriage. Pastor, what bad foundation are you talking about? When you want to get married to somebody, and the person is not married to you yet, but you go to the person's house, sleep with the person, and go the next morning, you have already started building doubts in the marriage. When the person travels and stays for two months and is not with you, the person will not believe that you can stay alone for two months without sleeping with a man. And so you have started building doubts in the marriage and there's no trust. So now when you are growing up and the marriage is now growing up and it comes to a time that the woman starts blaming the husband, that the husband is sleeping around, it's because of the foundations you lay. Most times that's what happens. The woman even told the man, no, you have to come back. This is the man that is not even married to the person. I want you to understand that I can't stay two months without you. And your man sleeps with you all through before you get married. Let me tell you this one. Every man that sleeps with you thinks that you are sleeping with everybody like that. Feels that you are also sleeping around like that. A man have respect for you when he discovers that you are pure. You see, most times when a man is so mad with you, why are you doing like this? You don't want to sleep with me and so on. Why do you say I should wait until we marry? And you keep holding on to that. The man may be angry with you, but the man respects you. He respects you. This is one truth that the man will not tell you. He respects you so much because there are very few girls that can do that to him. Who can say, please, we know you have money. Please, you know, you want to marry me, but I won't do it till we get married. My body is the temple of God. And that's where the Spirit of God dwells. And I think I've shared this story with you before. A family who I am, their pastor, the woman came to me and said to me, my husband is sleeping around. I said, ah, madam, your husband is sleeping around. Well, how do you know? He said, man of God, I know it. My husband is sleeping around. And I said, are you sure your husband is sleeping? He said, yes, yes, my husband is just sleeping around. And so I called the husband and the husband said, pastor, you know, I cannot lie to you. I'm not sleeping around. I said, who is telling the truth? So when I called the wife, asked the wife, I said, how do you know your husband is sleeping around? He said, man of God, the husband is sleeping with his secretary. I said, come on, you are making it so complicated. How do you know he's sleeping with the secretary? And the woman said to me, anytime I call him, he said he's always busy at work. That he's so busy in the place of work. He's doing so many things, so he cannot come back. And I asked the man, I said, are you sleeping with the secretary? He said, I'm not sleeping with the secretary. That girl is a young girl. I just picked that girl up and I'm helping the girl. I'm not sleeping with the girl. And I called the lady and I asked the lady, how do you know your husband is sleeping with the secretary? And he said, because I was once his secretary. So now the man had built a marriage on the foundation that there cannot be any trust. I know a woman who got married to a man. He was a housemaid of the man. And now the man is to sleep with the housemaid until they got married. Yeah. And now the man and the wife now grew up. 
up till now, the wife does not allow any housemate to come into the house. You can't erase that memory. You can't erase that memory. When he discovers how you used to sneak to the room and sleep with him, he feels you're sneaking to the room of every housemate and sleep with him. So when you do things like that, you have built a wrong foundation for your marriage that will take you years to repay it if you will even be able to repay it. So the scripture we handled today said that a wife is a crown to the husband. So now when you discover who you are marrying, you discover the things that you are doing and if the things that you are doing is going to tarnish the person who owns the crown, you refuse to do it. The same way is how we single people ought to treat God. When we discover that God is our head and God is the one we crown, and we have to discover and give him honor and make sure we don't do the things that we love to do, even the things our flesh love to do, we have to consider who carries us, who puts us in his head, who values us, who puts us with a price. Who owns us and who calls us his own? Shall we be upstanding in the Bible?